Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. It is our mission to worship and follow Jesus as we love and serve in his name. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or while we feed the community at the Bread of Life Cafe each Wednesday evening at 530 p.m. We hope that the following message inspires you in some way today. listening uh, to what Lenita was reading, these aren't pleasant things uh, that we're talking about today. Stephen tells the history of their people, the Israelite people, and God's providence, His guidance, His rescue, the salvation, the promised Messiah is going to be just like Moses. And he gets down to the the end of of his uh, speech before them. And really what he's asking them to do is turn to God again. Turn your hearts to God. See what he's done, but also see what he's doing. Which then affects what we'll do. This is a hard speech to read. It's not fluffy. It's not fun. But it's real. That's something from a very young age that I've always been appreciative of God. That all of the stories are included. The good ones and the difficult ones that make me want to rah-rah God and that make me want to scratch my head and say, what in the world, God, what? the good things that his followers have done, the treacherous things, the disobedient things, the lustful, hurtful things. It helps me trust the Bible. That all of this light and darkness is in there. That it's one continuous story pointing us towards Jesus. I think if Stephen, this is my opinion, If he had to summarize in three words what he was trying to say to these Jewish leaders, it'd be this, turn to God, y'all. That's four words. Probably y'all, hey guys, turn back to God. We see this in a couple of different ways throughout his speech. That he's pleading with them. And this isn't a guy who's unfamiliar with the guys. This is a a Jewish man that loves God, Stephen. Talking to Jewish men who love God, the Sanhedrin. But in their love, they've idolized things like Moses and the temple and the law. And their hearts have been hardened and they're refusing to believe in Jesus after seeing all the things that has been done. And he's begging for soft hearts and open minds. He's asking them, would you you just give Jesus a chance? Let's just talk about the evidence. Let's just talk about the things that we've seen and heard. This isn't bad advice for us either. Soft hearts towards God. Open minds to maybe hear some things that you've not been able to hear before. 
Try just waking up in the morning. And saying good morning to God. See if just that basic recognition of God's presence does something to start something in you. Maybe you choose one verse. There's apps, there's things. The Bible app, they have verses of the day, they have prayers of the day. They have devotional thoughts. Maybe you just start just like that. And if your heart has been closed or hard, if your mind has been off or not open, first of all, it's amazing that you're here. Praise God. But if that's you, would you, would you give him a chance? Would you, would you give Jesus a chance? Sadly, what we actually see, and this is not uncommon either, is that we see the Jewish leaders of the day repeating the sins of their fathers from back in the day. And let me just admit, and you all know this, but it's hard to overcome heritage. Let's just admit that. It's hard to overcome heritage. I know it can be done. I know that you can come to faith in God if your parents didn't have faith in God. I know that your children can come to have faith in God if you're not a person that has faith in God. It's possible. But just a shout out to all the parents. We got a big role in the spiritual formation of our children. And not just your children, but your nieces and your nephews and your grandkids and all the little ones that you teach. It's hard to overcome heritage, and what Stephen sees is these men repeating the sins of their fathers, closing their hearts to God. Lenita, part of the thing that she read today was about, they had just been rescued out of hundreds of years of slavery by Moses. Undeniable providence of God. The same group. The waters of this sea parted and then collapsed on their enemies. They knew to build an altar and do something religious because it was a big deal. And God's taking them somewhere and Moses is going up to get the law that's going to help them see God. And in their impatience and in their stubbornness, they turn back to Egypt. And they give Aaron, their priest, all of their gold and silver and ask him to make an idol. Make an idol that will go before us. Well, this calf is coming a little late to the party because they're already out of Egypt. The water's already been parted. The enemy's already been destroyed. And now we're making a calf to lead us. That's, that's not good. Like God's already been leading, but they're stubborn, hard, closed-minded. Stubborn hearts, closed minds. Asked them to do something from their past. I don't think idols are out of our realm of possibility either. That's another day, but it's just true. We idolize money and identity and sex. We, we, uh, we um, idolize prosperity, position, power, status. We do that. Anytime we put something before the holy, living, one true God, we make an idol before him. And our hearts choose that thing more than we're choosing God. 
And it's not right. It wasn't then and it isn't now. And so Stephen is begging them, don't repeat the sins of your fathers. Open your hearts. Open your minds. Be soft-hearted. See the things that Jesus has done and that He's doing. Let's give it a chance. But instead what we see, instead of soft hearts and open minds, instead of soft hearts and open minds that can see Jesus, we see this blatant refusal and this rejection and this resistance. And we can see that in, verses, in, in verse 39. But your ancestors refused to obey Him. Instead, they rejected Him in their hearts and they turned back to Egypt. And then in verse 51, you stiff-necked people. And, and at the very end, it's like, I see this as Stephen has tried everything. And his last-ditch effort is to pull out these hard, harsh, prophetic words that these men would have recognized from Joel and Isaiah and Amos and Hezekiah, all these people that God had put before the people to lead the people at the very end of his speech with their hard hearts and their closed minds, Stephen grabs these prophetic words. You're stiff-necked. You're refusing to change. Sure, you've accepted the covenant of circumcision, but it hasn't affected your hearts or your ears. You won't be changed. You won't listen. You're resisting the Holy Spirit, he says. This is hard teaching for all of us. But if you were made to stand on one side of the screen or the other, speaking about how open you are to God and your love for God and your affection for God, really that's what it comes down to. Affection is made e or obedience is made easier with affection. When I, when you learn that God actually loves you, and the things that He's asking of you are for your good, and affection starts coming out in you for God, and you want to love Him, and you want to obey Him, and you want to worship Him, it makes life easier with God. Affection is a normal part of relationships. It sure should be. Not just physical touch, but affection. Words back and forth. Kindness back and forth. Sure, you know, good, appropriate touch. All that stuff. That's a normal part of a healthy relationship. And it is with God too. But if you had to stand on one side of these screens, where's your heart today? Is there something about God's Word that you're intentional? You know you're resisting. Have you heard God's voice and you're saying, no, I, I reject that. I refuse to follow. And I just want to pause for a minute here and say this. I know and I realize that there are legitimate, actual, understandable reasons why people refuse, reject, and resist. And I'm not judging anybody. Those things are true, and they happen. I've listened to my thoughts in my Christian life, and I've spent my life and my adult life in ministry listening to other people. I know that life is unfair and hard. I know that good people do bad things, and it makes, you, makes it harder for you. I know that the church has done bad things. I know. 
But let's not blame God for people. Let's not hold God responsible when people make the mistakes. Let's give them a chance. Let's be soft-hearted and open-minded and give it a shot. Yeah, admit the, the nonsense that has gone on. Rem, admit the difficulty. Admit the pain. I'm not trying to minimize that. No one should. If anybody ever says your pain is no big deal, just talk to somebody else. They haven't gotten it yet. Maybe one day they'll get it, but they haven't gotten it yet. But I know these things are real. And there's reasons. But we still have a choice. What Stephen is asking him, he's asking him to turn back to God. And that's the message for us today too. Is your heart turned towards God? One of Laura and I's consistent prayers for our children and for our youth group children has been that their hearts will always be soft towards God. That their hearts will always be soft towards God. Because that's like half the battle in my opinion. Just being willing to give God a chance that your heart is soft towards Him, that your heart is bent towards Him, that your heart is affectionate towards Him. But beautifully, respectfully, calmly, using scriptures that this group affirmed, Stephen was pleading with them to see Jesus as the awaited Messiah that they just couldn't accept. They loved Moses too much. They loved the law too much. They loved their power and their position. They loved the temple too much. And they saw Jesus as a threat to all of those things. I get it. That's very, very human. The difficulty, I think, for all of us and that we see it here is, isn't that they couldn't turn their hearts towards God. is that they wouldn't. That's... That's really the sadness of this story in me. Is that this group was stiff-necked. And they had been given tons of opportunities. That they wouldn't hear and their hearts wouldn't turn. After it was presented to them over and over and over. And we know it wasn't an impossible task because just the chapter before in Acts chapter 6 we can read, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This group of people that was being resistant was losing people as their hearts softened towards God. So it wasn't that they couldn't. It's that they wouldn't turn. Have you ever felt that way? God, I'll go this far, but I am not doing that. I will not forgive her. I will not let go of this. This money is mine. My time is mine. I've earned this power in this position, in this praise that I get in my work. And I will not give you that. I don't know. But I see the truth of this is that whole groups of these priests that were 
in the same boat as these guys Stephen was standing before. Their hearts were being soft to God. And so that tells me it's possible for us too. There's a way back to faith, even through idolatry, even through position power, even through arrogance, even through pride, even through selfishness. There is a way back to God. And back to the couldn't, wouldn't thing is that this same group of people that was lying about and falsely accusing and drawing up false things about Stephen that landed him in this position, they had heard Jesus' teachings actually with their ears. They had actually invited them into their homes and talked with them. They saw the miracles and they questioned him after. I don't know this positively, but I believe that they witnessed the death of Jesus. And I know that they investigated the resurrection of Jesus. They were at Pentecost when God delivered the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised. And they witnessed Stephen and John and uh, Peter and all of the apostles. They, they, they stood witness to all of these things. So it wasn't that they couldn't believe. It's that they wouldn't believe and so I'll ask you as we wrap up today, what convinced you? If you're a man or a woman of faith, what, what was it that convinced you finally? What was the, the final drip of water that made everything just go over the edge and you just gave your heart to God? What was the final straw? What convinced you to put your faith in God? Was it a friend that told you, that witnessed to you, that showed you what love was like? Maybe you personally have had an experience with Jesus. I believe in that. I believe that nature screams the praises of God. Maybe you've had an experience in nature. Maybe it was a faithful church that you were raised in or became a part of that finally convinced you that it was safe to put your hope in God. Maybe you were truly convinced by the holy words of Scripture. Maybe it was a God-honoring family that you were able to be a part of or an adoptive part of. Do you know the vast majority of people that come to faith do it because of family or friend? The commonality is there is trust. I ask you this because this is a part of your story. Stephen fluently is telling the story of the Israelites. We need to be able to fluently tell our story. So what helped convince you and then for us, the, the faithful followers of Jesus, we've got to learn this. How do we convince others? It's not by force. You can't make anybody. You guys know that, right? Anybody that's ever been honest with yourself ever, you know that nobody can really make you do anything. You do it for different reasons. But we do things or don't do things because we want to. It's a desire thing, an affection thing, a choice thing. Uh, like people with young kids, you probably already know this. You actually can't make your kids do stuff. That'd be awesome. But you can't. And so you love them and you inspire them and you talk to them and you coach them and you discipline them and you talk to them and you coach them and you discipline them and you over and over and you love them and you encourage them and you show up in their life and do all these things. But we've got to have kind of a recipe on how we can inspire other people because the idea isn't this holy huddle where we get together all of God's people and just hunker down until the end. That's not the point. Somebody loved you enough to tell you about Jesus. Me too. 
The idea is to share this because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he's the Savior of the world. That his words are dependable and trustworthy. And that when we put our faith in him, we actually start living real life. I think there's some secrets on how we convince people. The one is this idiom speaks a lot. Uh, Nobody really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, You're not going to logic people into serving Jesus. You're not going to yell at them enough or whatever, criticize them enough or shame them enough. You've got to show them you care. And that we all know how to care. And if you don't know how to care for others, just think what means a lot to me. And then start there. That's a good, good place to start. I think it all starts with humbly submitting ourselves to God. So being a humble follower of God, that's where it starts. I think we have to learn how to be gentle, kind, and honest. A lot of times we say harsh things and then finish it with just being honest. No, you're just being mean is the truth of it. You're just being rude. You're not being nice. People respond to gentle, humble, kind honesty. They respond when they know that you don't have it all together, that you're not perfect. It's it's not like you know you're not perfect. Everyone knows you're not perfect, so let's stop acting like we're perfect. People also respond to people who truly care. That's an undeniable thing when we meet people's needs. And the Bible is riddled with all of these truths. These these aren't things that I've thought of. These are all scriptural things. We talked about this, being able to fluently tell our story of why you love Jesus. Again, not trying to convince or logic someone into believing, just tell them why you do. I think this is really maybe the secret ingredient to this whole sauce that we need to make. Worship doesn't come out of a sense of obligation. It comes out of a sense of affection. Because you want to. You have to find your want to. And once you find that, let it out. Let it out. When you find your want to, the worship will flow out of you. And this is beyond massive. Uh, Public service announcement, our culture is not getting closer to Christ. And if we base our faithfulness on being just a little bit better than culture, we'll get farther and farther and farther away from Christ. We've got to base our Christianity on Christ, not on culture. And there's a whole lot of things that are going on all over the world, not just in Western culture. There's a verse in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy that the Jews said over and over and over and over and over, and I would convince you, or try to convince you, to memorize it yourself. 
Let's turn there. It's in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It's like in the 300s in your uh, Bibles there. Nope, even younger than that, 200s. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting in verse 4. The Israelites called it the Shema. See how many of the pieces of the recipe you can find in this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Let's just breathe God and love him with all of our hearts. I think that's an inspiring way to ask people if they can find faith in Jesus. The real question today, I guess, is are you here to turn to God or return to God? Maybe it's neither. I respect if you're still resisting and refusing. I, I get it. it. You know, I can't expect that whatever, 30 minutes or whatever this has been, it's, it's going to be all the convincing that you need but will you wrestle with this, with the Bible, with someone, please? In just a minute, we're going to watch a, a beautiful young lady give her life to Christ. She's going to confess Jesus as Lord, and because she wants to, she's going to give her life to Christ in baptism. She's turning to God because she wants to. Her parents have prayed for this. Her grandparents have desired this, but it's, it's Madison's choice. Maybe you've been away from God and you know you've been disobedient or you've been neglectful of God and you're ready to return. It's always the right time. No shame in admitting that you haven't done it all right. You've just joined a big crowd of people who are trying to love God with all their heart, who rarely do it right, but learn to be confessional and just admit, ask for forgiveness and accept it from each other and from God. Let's have um, 